Hi, this is John Barnes, and you're listening to Cop On. We're live. We're live on YouTube with a with a song in our hearts. We're dancing. We're screaming into Thursday because this is Cop On after Liverpool beat, not beat, hammered, pasted, destroyed Chelsea Football Club. 4-1 um, on, on an absolutely barnstorming night, which is very, very good for the soul. And, um, you know, just uh, I'd just like to do a, a little introduction as Brian joins us as well. Great to have you with us, Brian. I'm just going to give you a little poem. You're just in time for the poem. The poem to start today is from Robert Herrick's To the Virgins, which he could have written for Twitter. To the Virgins... To make much of time is the title of the poem. And it, just one little verse from it is uh, absolutely beautiful. I think it sums up where we are as a fan base these days. And it's gather ye rosebuds while ye may. Old time is still a flying. And this same flower that smiles today, tomorrow will be dying. Liverpool 4, Chelsea 1. We're going to get to the heartbreak and why tomorrow will indeed be dying with Jurgen Klopp a bit later. But I'm too excited to talk about last night's match. Uh, I'm, going to, I'm delighted to be joined by Nigel, by Robin, by Brian Hayes and by you, the listener, and by you, the YouTube watcher. We're up to 298 subscribers, which is completely mad. Uh, thank you so much. I'm very happy. The target is 500. And Nigel, I'm going to start with you. Um, yesterday, the lineups dropped. Um, you know, we we kept faith with Connor Bradley, Joe Gomez. Uh, he had Ibu Konate, Virgil van Dijk, the midfield trio with the returning Sodoslai, the pronunciation, Curtis Jones and Maka. And then up front, Diogo Jota, Darwin Nunez and Luis Diaz, right? I was feeling pretty saucy about that. But then I looked at the Chelsea lineup and I thought, wow, this is a strong team, man. They had Petrovic. Everyone was saying how he was in good form. Chelsea had won four of the last five Premier League matches. They had Badia Shield, Thiago Silva, Dizazi, Chilwell at the back, the returning Ben Chilwell, England international. They had 220 million pounds worth of defensive midfielders with Enzo Fernandez and Moses Caicedo. And then Raheem Sterling, Conor Gallagher, the dangerous Madueke, and Cole Palmer in attack. And I was thinking, man, this is going to be a tough match. What about you, Nigel? How did you feel when those lineups dropped? Um, in all fairness, when I when I look at, I only ever look at one team. I, I see how strong we are. I, I don't really care about the opposition. I, I, I really don't give a damn about them. Um, we, we had a strong team. We've got our a really strong midfield. We got we got Dom back in there and Curtis is playing well and, and Mac is just playing out of his skin at the moment. So I had no problem with our team last night. I thought they're going to have to try and hang on to us. We're at home. The, the, the unfortunate was what happened with Jorgen, but this I knew the crowd was going to be mental last night. And it was because I was a friend of mine at it last night and he said to me, it was amazing last night. Um, we were just, we were at it from the start. I thought we were very, very good. Absolutely, absolutely. And uh, when when you saw, but when you saw Bradley especially and 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 Joe Gomez, were you, were you 
were you like confident? I was feeling confident. I thought that was a pre-match. I was texting with uh, my friend Josh, Chelsea fan, who's been on Cop On before. Hi, Josh, if you're listening. And, you know, he was saying how pessimistic he felt. And I was saying, well, I, I'd feel more pessimistic as a Liverpool fan if Trent started at right back, which is weird because I love how Connor Bradley was doing. Did you have similar feelings? It was fully confident. He's a really good player. He's actually... I, I, I'm starting to lean towards, well, I'm not leaning towards, I'm fully behind playing him at right back all the time now and shifting Trent into midfield. A full midfield with possible, with any inversion going to just kind of filling in for right back if, if, if Conor Bradley goes past him. I mean, it would be uh, rather tasty as well. I mean, it's not bad we got Soboslai there. Absolutely. Robin's with us. Welcome, Robin. Um, the I looked it up just before we, we went live. The, the, the next Northern Ireland elections must take place before January the 28th next year. And if Conor Bradley isn't in the running, then he's missing a trick because he will sh he's surely the greatest, as, it's, as someone said in another, another podcast, the greatest living Northern Irishman. How do you feel about Conor Bradley, Robin? <clears throat> Where did he come from? How good is he? <laughs> um, I, I heard on the radio yesterday, Carl Frampton, a, a famous Northern Irish boxer who's a, a world champion, uh, I think world, ex-world champion, he mentioned that Conor Bradley is the next best player since George Best. That's a bit of a statement to wow. say. Um, and he's come into the first team as a youngster, and it feels as though he's been there for a long time. He's taken his chance. Sometimes football gives you those opportunities, and he hasn't missed that opportunity, and he's cemented his name amongst the first-team squad. Whether he starts every game or not, we'll wait and see. But there's nothing more he could do. The way he's begun, it's been amazing. And to think it's a very different style of player to uh, Trent. I don't think anybody does what Trent does on the planet. But it's a very different style of player. And in just the few games, last few games he's played, he's in the last two games, he's already notched up five goal contributions, assists and a goal as well in just two games. So he offers a different kind of threat to what Trent does. And having two of those on the pitch, one at right back and one that's inverted right back or midfield, as Nigel says, it's just options galore everywhere. But this guy can defend. And I know there was a time where we thought Trent could defend, but over the years we realised that he was caught short a few times. But Ben Chilwood, you mentioned ex-England international, or current England international. I think he got substituted at half-time and they struggled to find him because he was lost somewhere in Bradley's pocket. It was just gone somewhere. He was just amazing. He just made that game look like he deserved and belonged there. He he is frightfully good. He's got pace. He can defend. He can take people on as well. When he created that assist for Sobozlai, there was a little shimmy that he did with with his um with his hips, and then he burst into um, speed to run down and and put that cross in. And that cross wasn't an easy cross because he had to cut it back slightly to get onto the Sobozlai's head. So that shows good technique for a 20-year-old. And he gets into goals for um, Bolton last year and assists. And what a finish that was. Um, that was a very calm finish. He had no other option. He just ran and he thought, he thought he'd go for it. From that angle to get that far corner, wow. Man, wow, this guy's, this guy's, this guy's going to be amazing. We're going we're gonna to get into the in, onto the actual like goals as we we're going to go through the match as we go and we'll we'll talk about everything as we go. But I do want to start with Connor Bradley. And but Robin, I mean, I I woke up thinking I haven't seen outside of Trent Alexander Arnold outside of 
Trent, I haven't seen a right back dominate that whole side of the pitch defensively and attackingly since Danny Elvis. Um, and there's a wonderful stat that um, he's got three assists in two Premier League games, which is more than any other Manchester United player have this season. More assists already after two matches. Um, but honestly, I think he's the new Danny Elvis. Elvis. And you know me, I get out, out way ahead of my station. I go, I go to the next country. I go through across borders on my on my trains, but uh, I, I, am I am I just getting too excited to say he he, he could be the next Danny Elvis, Robin? Because I love Danny Elvis. Um, big shoes to fill for Danny Elvis, but um, why not? <laughs> He's um, yeah. He, he can't he can't have started any better, right? Um, for a youngster, um, so much so that we're now we're talking about does he actually start ahead of Trent? It's a bit strange to have that conversation when just before Trent got injured, we were talking about him as player of the month, possibly player of the season in the Premier League. There's things that he was doing was out of this world. Everybody was waxing lyrical. And one injury later, short injury later, we're thinking about does he even start anymore with uh, Bradley there? It's just nuts to think about that. So he could be even better than Danny Elvis. Who knows? If he carries on like this, if this is this consistency that his level that he's created, why not? The only thing without sounding too pessimistic is with youngsters, it's the consistency that we need. Can he do this every single game? Can he um, maintain this intensity every single game? And if he can, he'll be. He'll. I don't know what it'll be. He. He'll just. It's hard to think how far he can go because it's frightful. Uh, what absolutely absolutely i mean the consistency i don't know he looks like he could uh we don't know we've he's only played a few games it was mm. his 14th appearance in total but, but a lot of those have been from the bench and things like that but it it really feels like now you know that was a huge statement brian that win yesterday not just from connor bradley but from the entire team but you know you can talk about the, the you know in terms of a statement either the statement performance you can you can talk to us about connor bradley you can talk to us about oh uh, Nigel says uh, Danny Elvis wears Connor Bradley pajamas and I think that's absolutely true Nigel absolutely. <laughs> uh, but Brian you can talk to us about this statement either the statement from Connor Bradley you know drop me if you dare uh, or the statement from Liverpool last night because there was a lot of pressure uh, on, on the team to put in a performance especially after City predictably wiped their butts with the Burnley toilet paper um, and, uh, yeah, I don't know. Welcome back, Brian. Great to see you. Yeah, uh, good to be back. Um, uh, what I liked about it, and uh, I think a few people are picking up on this, is that there's an, there's an inevitability about Liverpool at the moment, and other teams are, are feeling it as well. There's just a sense that every game, everything is falling to place. Uh, even the refereeing decisions, it was the first time I can remember a game where everything went our way, like... From almost from start to finish, and uh, I don't know Connor Brad. I mean Connor Bradley just blew me away. It's just I've lost words to describe that fella, and and he reminds me of the wingers and and the the fullbacks from the nineties. It's like it's like classic nineties football on the overlap, flying down the wing, chucking the ball into the mixer, and someone's landing right, you know, just getting on the end of it. And the fact that he's a, I think Nigel will tell me he's a, he's a Gaelic footballer as well, right? So. He, he's made of the hard stuff as well. He's not. He's, 
he, he won't uh, shy out of a tackle. Uh, yeah, it's, I think Robin really, I really like what Robin said about the fact that it just gives us so many options. Like imagine trying to deal with that guy for for sixty minutes and bringing on um, Trent. Uh, it's a whole different game. It's a completely different football game when he comes on. And even if you have the two of them, and two of them might be interchanging or whatever, it just I mean, how do you how do you track that? Um, but overall, I just think it was such a huge and important win for us because, you know, we, I think we drawn against Chelsea seven games, or you know, you look at all the results in the last few games, and we just we just blew them off the park, and and we, and we were swarming them like like killer bees the whole game. There was like two or three men around every single player got the ball. It was it was just a joy to watch. Yeah, Jurgen talked about it uh, post-match. Uh, Jurgen, uh, you know, on what stood out for him on the night, he said the performance, nothing else to say. Just, the, the, you know, from the start was really good. It was super important. Um, you know, if we don't start like we start, then the game could have been completely different. And it was madness, yeah, but great performances all over the pitch, all over the pitch. Uh, so it started, yeah, a 1,000 miles an hour. Um, there was wonderful quick play between our centre-backs and midfielders. And then um, Maka slipped it through to Darwin, that beautiful through ball. Um, and Darwin had that that shot that uh, bent like a snake. It bent like a, like, a, like a river, like the River Thames in the air. And it was just tipped onto the bar. It was actually a really good save. Uh, and that was the first woodwork that Darwin hit. Um, after just a couple of minutes. Um, uh, Nigel, um, Ale Alexis McAllister was absolutely insane last night in our group chat, because uh, I always get the stats for at half time. And at half time, he had made six tackles. He had had two shots, one key pass, and he had a 93.3% passing accuracy. He was utterly, utterly immense yesterday. And what, but what I love about him is the way that he finds the passes that are that are vertical. He's not scared at all to play be between the gaps uh, of of two players in front of him because there are loads of midfielders who are they, they you know they don't want to you know what do they call it telegraph or whatever it is the pass they don't want it, they don't want they don't want it to be too easy to read for the opposition. Uh, but McAllister, even though it's kind of easy to read, he fizzes the ball through those gaps along the floor. And it's perfect. And I love it. And I can't stop enjoying watching Macca play when he's on this kind of form. He's 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 deadly, if I may use an Irish expression. Yeah, he, he is. But the thing about it was he's he's fizzing these balls, but he's reading their play as well. He's reading, the, the, you know, he's, he's going in and making interceptions as well. Just go back to what Brian said there for one moment mm -hmm. about Conor Bradley. Mm -hmm. Brian, you're right. He is an ex-Gaelic footballer. And apart from him being an ex-Gaelic footballer, before he signed for Liverpool, he was actually juggling soccer, Gaelic football. And this is one now, cross-country running. <laughs> wow. Okay. I read nice up on it there. I've, I've just been reading up on it in an article there. Like, I I thought I'll try, interesting. I'll try maybe and post the link afterwards in the I'll get it on my phone and post it into the link of the yeah, group. Um, Excellent. Excellent stuff. So so he gave up the glory of cross country professional uh, career to join Liverpool, imagine. Yeah. Okay, but sorry, carry on, Nigel. Yeah, yeah. So yeah, just um on Alexis McAllister, he's just 
everyone was saying, you know, what a great boy he's going to be and he's going to be our forward playing midfield or link man for years to come. Suddenly he's playing number six and he's done an amazing job. He's just fitted in there like like a glove and he's getting better at it. It's amazing. Uh, our recruitment uh, seems to be able to find players who are so versatile and able to fit into, you know, fit to, to other plans. Look at the way Darwin Nunes is playing. I know people are saying he's not scoring and stuff like that, but look at the way he's altered his game. Look at the way Sabozle has slightly altered his game. The way Jota has altered his game. All these players altered, have altered their games to play in the system that we're playing at the moment and in the previous regime or the previous players that have been left over the last few years uh, playing in, in different positions and systems than they're used to and improved them as players. Improved them in, te- in a football sense and an intelligent sense, an intelligent footballer sense. When to use the ball, where to run to. This is all very important as part of our, our setup. And uh, having players that are able to do that, not like having guys who are having no assists and, and you know, uh, not looking like they're trying and stuff like that. Like, th- there seems to be a no-asshole policy with our club and it's really working at the moment. So can only bode well for the future. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, he seems to have, you know, put together a, a solid, a new solid set of lads. And uh, that's a, that's a marvellous thing, isn't it? I mean, that's something that, that we will always have... Um, Un, un, under Jurgen Klopp, uh, Robin is the fact that we've got um, we've 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 won everything, but in the best way. Uh, we've won everything apart from the Europa League, which may or may not be coming, um, which will be coming if we keep playing like we did last night. But um, you know, it's um, the the it's not just winning, but it's winning without having cheated. You know, like I that Maidstone United had a marvelous result in the FA Cup. They beat Ipswich the other day, and one of their fans said, um, "You know, we're not a dictator's plaything, playing in a soulless bowl. We are a real football club." And Maidstone United and Liverpool Football Club they have that in common. In that Liverpool, of course, they became hugely successful and have fans all over the world um but it's a real football team so we've got a real football team we've won everything with a real football team we're not a a dictator's plaything um and we are we've won it with 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 a with a sense of honesty and integrity that other clubs don't have and with cool players like if bruno fernandez had joined us for example it sort of spoils the soup a little bit, you know. He'd be like the, you know, the 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 radish, the radish in your toothpaste or something. I don't know. He's he's just he's just something. It's just horrible. But you know, so there's something there's something glorious about the style and the way we we go about this. But uh, you could talk about our style, our general style, um, or you can talk about you know in the match itself the 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 fact that Darwin. Uh, in that first moment, hit the crossbar. You can talk about that moment or Darwin hitting the woodwork tons of times. Or you can talk about Alexis McAllister. You can build on what Nigel said. You can talk about whatever you want or something else. Um, what do you think, Robin? Um, I'll be um, stuck to talk about radishes. Um, <laughs> I'll talk about something else. Um, <clears throat> where do I start? Um, the recruitment has been good. We all know this. Um, but it's, um, it's scary to think, can you pull out a rabbit out of a hat? every single time with the resources that we have compared to our competitors that's the scare that's the fear and there's many fans who thought we should have signed another midfielder or another center back or another left back 
Um, and those fears are slowly starting to go away. They haven't fully gone yet, but because there's a there's a level of trust, especially when we had Michael Edwards in and around the club, there's a level of trust that they know what they're doing. There's things that's happening that we're not aware of, but we trust them. And over time, we still wonder, is that still the case with um, the personal changes that have happened behind the scenes? Um, but what we do know is that the team that Klopp now leaves behind is far, far superior than what's inherited. So hopefully that should stand in good stead to whoever comes in in the new regime. We just like to keep faith and hope that the team behind them, the CEO and Billy Hogan and whoever maybe will make the right kind of appointments and do the due diligence to find the right team to um, take over from Klopp. But what we have here at the moment is something a joy to watch. I've felt this season, majority of this season, we haven't really played that well. And there'll be times that there'll be periods that we've played well, and there'll be periods where we've just done enough to get the win. And sometimes we play poorly and we didn't win. Like, for example, the Man United game, we should have done better. We just didn't seem like the races that day, and we just didn't know how to score that day. Um, and there'll be games where there's periods where we dominated. This felt like the first time this season that we were by far the best team from start to finish not just in this game but we're at the level to be winning leagues that's the level that we had it could have been any team that put it out there i mean i would i would suppose say put man city there i mean if liverpool played the way that they did yesterday would beat them as well it was that superior every man to a team their position knew their job and then did very well and we, we speak about newness all the time and all, all the chaos and and um uh, the mayhem he creates and the chances he misses and as a liverpool fan base nobody really faults him for that his goal contribution is so good i think it was his 11th premise uh premier league assist this season um this season and that's only one behind Saka who has 12 so that's not too bad but he just pulls people all over the place you just don't know whether to stick to him run with him he just doesn't give up on the commentary yesterday uh, so the post-match yesterday uh, Fowler Ferdinand were saying that this guy he just doesn't give up he keeps going he doesn't let his head drop and um He's still at it. Even in the last few minutes, he's, he's running at players and getting shots. And then he creates chances as well. And with so much attacking power that we have, it must be difficult for the opposition defence to think, who do I stay with? Do I do I drop short and uh, let them run, run at us? Because if you do, you've got people like Trent and Sobozlai and McAllister that can hit from a distance. Or do you press up and, um, and to, um, squeeze in midfield? Because then you've got runners like Salah and Jota and Nunes who can run behind you. It just makes you wonder where to go. And then you've got craftsmen who can ping a ball. I mean, I was really impressed by how the long distance passing people like Kwanzaa and Konate can hit. We all know about Van Dijk and uh, Trent, but there's other players now that are passing through vertically through the lines. And you think, well, do, do I press against them? Because one quick ball from these intelligent players gets them behind us and they've got the pace and the runners to, to get past us. So it's a it's like a Swiss army knife. It's just so many tools in the Liverpool team that we can find a way to pry it open. A few years ago, we became very stuck with low block teams. I don't think that's a problem anymore. We have the patience to keep position if we want. We can counter if we want and give the position and hit them uh, on the attack. There's so many different ways for Liverpool to get goals. And Nunes adds that unknown he does things that you don't know what he's going to do next. Yeah, totally brilliant answer. Absolutely. Yeah, you say the Swiss Army knife. For me, I, I, I like food analogies. And for me, I don't know if you've ever cooked 
for like uh, 20 people. But if, if you ever have to cook for 20 people, I would suggest the best cuisine to cook is something like Lebanese food or Middle Eastern food because you have the beauty of the hummus and the completely different flavors of pickled radishes and barbecued chicken and, and beef for the non-vegetarians. And you've got for the vegetarians loads of different choices, the taboulet. And if you don't know what I'm talking about, then go and get some Lebanese food. It's absolutely nuts. It's so good. Um, but for me, Darwin Nunez, he's the zing in it all. He's the he's the lemon. He's the lemon zest. He's the he's the thing that that brings everything to life. Um, but anyway, um, I'm getting hungry. Abdul's with us. Abdul, welcome back to Cop On Watch underscore LFC on Twitter, everybody. Um, there have been some great comments coming in, Abdul, on our live YouTube stream. So thank you, everybody, on YouTube. Panov is in the house. Panov Scouse. Uh, Alan C is in the house. Hello, everybody. Graham Rogers is in the house. Um, Doug from the dugouts in the house. Oh, well done, everybody. Welcome. You're all very, very welcome here. Um, but Abdul, I want to I wanna pick up on something that Graham Rogers put in the chats. He says, uh, first of all, I'm having to pinch myself at how good this team are becoming. Yes, they're becoming extremely, extremely unbelievable. And um, Graham Rogers also says, I shudder to say it, but we look more balanced without Mo Salah. And that's an interesting thing. We, we, Abdul, what do you reckon? Uh, it's a ballsy shout. It's a ballsy shout. But I was thinking last night, um, you know, uh, watching the performance, I was, I did think that, I didn't think that specifically, but I knew that people would start th talking about, oh, Salah's gone and we fairly missed him, you know. I, I don't know how many wins it is since he's been gone, but it feels like we haven't lost a game. I, I think we probably haven't. We've, we've won them all, yes. Yeah, so... Yeah, I'm not surprised that people are starting to, to to talk about that. But I don't think it's like a big thing. It, it's just, you know, people love to talk about something. Um, I think everybody would agree that having Salah in our team makes us a better team. So uh, I don't think he's got any issues in terms of getting his place back when he comes back from Aquan. But you know what? If he does, that's even good. That's good for us, you know? Like, that means that we have strong competition in all places. Like um, like Dom Sovaslai said to uh, Connor Bradley or to the reporter yesterday, Trent needs to start looking after his position. And uh, ideally, in an ideal world, you want 11 players who are all fighting for their position each week because uh, that just means you have a top top squad. Um, in terms of... I, I forgot what your first question was. Um, that was it. Just about, uh, I don't know, like, um, you know... Uh, oh, um, Graham was saying that he's, he's uh, having to pinch himself at how good this team is becoming. Yeah. I mean, <clears throat> like... Uh, Obviously, we went through a big summer where we got rid of, you know, a huge part of our spine and we replaced them with players and everybody was immediately shocked at how, you know, how well Soboslai started, how well McAllister started. There was a bit of uh, discourse around, oh, McAllister isn't a six. He can't really play six. We should have signed a big number six. But I think I saw a stat today that said, like, um, McAllister, there's been two matches this season where he's made the most tackles in like a Premier League match that's ever been recorded. Um, I think last night was one of them. And then Bournemouth recently was also another one. So like, <clears throat> I think that that whole discourse narrative has just fallen away. Uh, everybody's happy to see him in the team. Doesn't really matter which position he plays in, but if he's a six, I think everybody's happy with that now. 
and yeah, like what we're seeing from all the young boys, like Jarrell Quanser, uh, Connor Bradley over the last four games. Um, even before that, we had like Ben Doak really making an impression. Um, it's just yeah, it, this is this is what you dream of as a as as somebody like me who's always loved seeing the academy boys ahead of you know making a big signing. This is literally like the dream state where everybody's coming in, making a good impact onto the team, contributing. So I'm I'm not surprised because I've always had a lot of faith in these boys, but also it's just a very nice time for 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 Liverpool fans, I think. And yeah, we should just keep enjoying it. Yeah, I think we're all we're all on the same page there, Abdul, with the old uh, Academy lads coming in. And uh Brian, I was thinking about this, you know, the the Academy in general. Um, you know, since the early 90s, who have we produced really of really the top, top quality? Robbie Fowler, uh, McManaman, Michael Owen, Stephen Gerrard, obviously. Uh, and there are only like a couple more. Jamie Carragher, of course. Um, but now I'm struggling to think who else. Um, <laughs> but now, Scouser. pardon? The scouts are in our team. Well, that was it, yeah. Because now I'm now I'm saying to this, like Trent, for me, brought in this this whole new generation. He was, I mean, even though he came through about five years ago now, six years ago, he sort of triggered this whole new generation. Where now we've got Trent and Curtis, we've got you know, players like uh, Connor Bradley, wow, and Kwanzaa. Um, you know that they're, they're all going to play together. Uh, Bobby Clark. Um, you know, and the ones I'm forgetting right now as well, uh, the people just coming through. Harvey Elliott, okay, wasn't quite from our academy, but we signed him when he was 15. Um, look at the youth team, on Jaden now, yes, Jaden Dan, very good player. He's just been brought, just moved up to the under 23s. He's Neil Dan's son, if you remember him playing for Bolton, yeah, superb absolutely. player, absolutely. really good player. Uh, Trent Conan Doherty from Derry. Oh man, he looks he's a like brilliant player, a, a wing wizard, absolutely, yeah. absolutely. Very like Raheem Sterling in his early days. Yeah, Stefan and then uh, Stefan Bajetic, yeah, yeah, Robin in the Very chat. Good there. Absolutely. Um, very there's good. another few. Uh, uh, Lewis Kumas, Jason uh -huh. Kumas has gone. He's very, very good. Um, yeah. There's some very, very fine players. There's a young guy, Cody Pennington, is very good. Um, yes steely midfielder yeah the young the young guy who scored the last goal the other night in the united game we got beat the other night by 4-3 by man united in the under 18s kieran and um kieran morrison kieran morrison he's, he's in northern ireland he's another good player no the young lad who scored the last goal um i can't remember his name he's a kind of a midfield kind of defensive player but he's very very good he was captain michael and, uh, laffey. as abdul says in the in the sorry the name was michael michael laffey michael laffey okay I, michael I, laffey okay, very good and Abdul yeah. says in the chat as well, Trey Neoni uh, didn't come through our academy, but now he's in the academy. He's been on the bench a couple of times. High hopes for him. And it's just so, you know, it's just so much to look forward to until you I think, think that we're going to use lose Jurgen bloody clock. But anyway, um, sorry. I was just going to say um, it might be worth having a completely separate podcast just to talk about um, the academy because there's yes. this... Uh, not a misconception, I would say, but there is this real belief that all the talent in the UK lies in South London and it's very hard to find talent in the north of the country. But, you know, we've just reeled off like at least six or seven, eight names there of players who are James close McConnell, to McConnell, we forgot. Yeah, James McConnell as well came in, huge assist in his first first ever start. And um, yeah, like I think there's a, there's a huge uh, 
debate, not debate, but just like a conversation to be had about um, talent in the north of the country. Um, because a lot of the times, okay, we, you might not produce as much talent as London and the south of the country, but the talent that you do produce always tends to go on to like play for their teams um, and also just really be high level. So I'm thinking your Wayne Rooney, Steven Gerrard, Michael Owen, Robbie Fowler's, Trent, you know, David Beckham's, Gary Neville's, whoever you want to talk about. But yeah. Beckham was a southerner. He was from London. Oh, yeah. That's true. That's fair. Yeah. But, um, and he yeah. was overrated. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> sorry uh but uh, no uh no yeah no good point though exactly there is there is this sort of yeah a, a debate that always happens between so, south and north that old divide and um i think the north has produced some fine players james mcconnell's another one he was from he's from uh, the northeast sort of sunderland area um but brian you've been waiting patiently there waiting to have your say um you know we can talk about anything we've already talked about or we can talk about we're only on the second uh, highlight of the match, by the way, on my my notes, which is uh, Konate's long ball f uh, for Darwin. He, he had a long ball for Darwin, and as Robin was saying, our centre backs, uh, you know, uh, not just Virgil, Kwanzaa and Konate, they they can do these great passes. So Konate had this beautiful long ball for Darwin, and do you remember Darwin's left foot shot first time that Petrovic mm. wristed onto the post? He got very lucky. Um, so you can talk about that at that moment. You can talk about whatever the hell you want, Brian. Just want yeah, to hear your voice. Nerf. Good analogy. Darren okay. is the salt, <laughs> the salt in the soup. As oh, would say. beautiful. <laughs> um, I like what I like about the young lads is that they uh, they just all seem fit for purpose. They're like they're like little cogs in the machine. They've obviously been trained in in the way that we play football and the style, and it must be playing the same style. The same strategy all the way down to right down to the kids and uh to a man no matter who they put popped in this uh pre-season the, the the game so far they've all not looked out of place like uh, connor bradley hasn't let go of the ball once i mean he's probably maybe made one dodgy pass that, that, that's about it i mean long gone are the days when like a kid would come into the team and you'd be almost like babysitting him and you'd be thinking oh it's okay he's a kid like go easy on him or, or even protect him you know but you don't get the sense with these guys uh that at all they're like no they're they're legit players they're there to to and i've always been harsh on on young players because i just know how how cruel this game can be you know they, they you, you only have a a short period of time in the, in the spotlight and the whole connor bradley situation it's just so uh so deja vu to trent when he came through because there was like two two injuries to uh, you know the the starting right back was injured his backup was injured and it was like let's throw in the kid see see how he does and then he had an absolute screamer of a game and that was it he never looked back he didn't he never let go of the shirt from that point onwards and uh, you know who's to say that Connor Bradley can't uh, uh, force the force that move into the midfield but uh, now just overall like when you're talking about the kids just a character again. Of these lads they just uh they all seem to be made of the right stuff totally. um compare that yeah. to cole palmer brian last night did you see like his body language and everything he just seemed like it's such an arrogant little guy if you could the, yeah. the camera went to him at kickoff i don't know if you saw that and he was just there like 
some kind of like uh, like he was. But I'd be pissed of off if I was playing for Chelsea. He didn't seem he to be pissed off. Own, did, be... Did, yeah, I mean, it was they were they were really bad. You know, I mean, I I think oh, <laughs> yeah. we didn't let them play. Uh, mm-hmm. There is that, you know. Um, but he seemed very isolated up there, uh, yeah, and exactly. he's obviously a very talented lad. Um, but no, I, I I know what you mean. Um, yeah, there's always a petulance to their kind of players, you know. So I think we we dodged a bullet with Casado, right? Um, he could yeah, have been good under Klopp. He'd be a different player under Klopp. But perhaps, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. No, but uh, no, the youth system's amazing, you know. And, and long may it continue. Indeed, indeed. Um, our first goal, Nigel, last night. Uh, it was when Chelsea attacked for the first time uh, in the match. But Bradley was quicker and stronger, and you know, wise to their to the to their games and he's he stepped in and won the ball and then without you know immediately marauded up the pitch and squared it to Jota who who barged his way through in typical Diogo Jota style the two flat-footed dunder-headed CBs who I thought they were they were awful there's Chelsea center backs last night both of them um and it, and it, you know then you got Diego Jota in front of the goal from six yards on his left foot. Um, it was a brilliant goal. I was I was literally running around uh, my living room uh, tr- again, trying silently as silently as possible in my socks, trying not to wake the baby, trying to you know do do these sort of you know like silent film screams of joy and wonder, raising my fist to the air. How did you react to that first goal? Were you like, right, we've done it. This is our we're going to win this match now. We've got the reward for all of our pressure. Yeah, it's just a, a delight in, in seeing a score. Uh, you know, we really deserved a score. So we were, you know, we were pushing and pushing. And to see it finally going in, uh, the wrecking ball that is Diogo Jota, you know, he just, he, it was like going through a wall of a building. He just tore them apart straight down the middle. And uh, I've seen a couple of other replays on that last night. Some people were talking Oh, it's a handball by Jota. It wasn't a handball by Jota. The ball actually bounced up and hit the Chelsea centre half there on the arm mm-hmm. and bounced back down and bounced up into Jota's chest. Mm-hmm. Absolutely, so, yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. The ricochet um, was perfectly fair. But on yeah. Jota, sorry, on Jota yesterday, he had uh, only only two shots, uh, one on target in his 67 minutes, scored a goal. Also, one key pass. His passing accuracy was down at 58.1%. He gave the ball away quite a lot, and that's quite a typical thing. He does need to improve that. But the brilliance of Diogo Jota is when it when he does go wrong for him, he's such a dynamo with the press. You know, he's such a dynamo. And he was that again last night. Brilliant. He's a credit. He's a credit to the team. There was there was a, a moment last night. It, it froze a few times on me last night, but my stream fu- froze a few times last night. And me and my dad were watching it, and it froze mm-hmm. on. I think it was Darwin, the kind of back of Darwin after one of the shots, and a, a close up of Dar- of Diogo. And my dad said, "Who's the sleepy looking fella?" He wasn't really sure. And I said, <laughs> "Oh, that's Diogo Jota. Watch this." I said, "He could do nothing for ninety four minutes, and all of a sudden he get one chance at score. Mm-hmm. Five minutes later, he scored." <laughs> Yeah, so, having yeah. done nothing, yeah, exactly. Nothing. Yeah, <laughs> no, it's just um, he's he's just a, a, I described Coutinho once. I, I wrote a, a piece for one of the Liverpool newspapers, and I described uh, Philip Coutinho once as an enigma, an enigma wrapped in a conundrum. And he's a bit like that. He's um, he can be 
completely anonymous and you're wondering is this this, guy, this a new guy what's he doing is he is he is he after winning a raffle or something like that? the next thing all of a sudden bang goal out of absolutely nothing and that's you you can't buy talent like that you know just to, that, that instinct is just there to score goals and, and like ian rush had it now not saying not comparing jota to rush but it's that kind of instinct it's just that something goes off in the box and they suddenly just turn and the ball is in the net and you're not even sure how it's got in there sometimes he's very clever with his movement yeah, though for the penalty if you watch it back everybody then um the penalty he won at the end of the first half um uh he's standing deliberately in an offside position uh so that when the ball does break and it does get to virgil van dyke it is on the left wing position for some reason uh wait well, he'd stayed forward from a set piece hadn't he um and he was the one who passed it into the box to create the havoc. Um, and it's just like that offside position that becomes onside just buys him like two or three yards over all of the defenders. And that allows him to to to, to cause as much havoc. And it's just that, isn't it? It's just like he's just smarter than everyone. He's just so quick. Um, but Robin, the second goal um, was uh, when we won a throw. Uh, after some very, very, actually very good defensive play. Joe Gomez took the throw, but Mo Moises Caicedo uh, won the ball. McAllister stepped in as quick as a flash, did one of those passes between two Chelsea players as accurate as your, your granny's laser beam, straight to Luis Diaz, who... Um, you know, fought off, you know, uh, the, the challenge from, from Chelsea's uh, whatever, however billion um, billion they spent on whoever that player was and slipped it to Connor Bradley. Um, and running through, he took two touches before shooting. And if you look back, like I've done, seen it about 20 times today, he slips as he shot, Robin. He slipped, his standing foot slips as he makes that shot. And it makes it all the more remarkable. Um, at the end of the at the end of the game, uh, some quotes. He said it was a very. It's a very proud moment. Obviously, it's something I've dreamed of for a long time. Uh, it just feels like I just feel like I'm in a dream. It's unbelievable. I'm very happy. And he, he added, I I just couldn't believe it went in. I just thought I'm going to hit it here, and it went in the bottom corner. He's got humility, Robin. And I don't know if you if you know any great musicians properly great musicians i'm lucky enough i worked in music for a while i met some truly brilliant musicians and there is a and i've also worked in football and there is a link between the artists and the creative people who think they're brilliant of whom there are a lot and the footballers who think they're brilliant but when you get to the top level they are all humble maradona aside but that could be drug induced robin what do you what do you what do you like i mean about connor bradley again i want to talk more about connor bradley because he scored that goal and it's just lovely to hear more praise and on his humility and everything so connor bradley he's um what 20 years and 206 days old i think and he's the youngest player to score for liverpool since um raheem sterling so which was back in uh 2014 so um i think in premier because in there, premier was, uh, there was ben woodburn in the league Cup, that's it. 
Mm. Um, and Raheem Sterling, I think he used to be a footballer many years ago. I don't know what he does now, right? Yeah, I don't know what he's <laughs> doing that. But um, yes, there's a humility there. And um, I think he's surrounded by big stars. So I think he's looks up to them in all. But it's just his character as well. And it's not just Kuno Bradley. I think it's the whole Liverpool team. You talked about the um, the, the radish of um, whatever Bruno Fernandes is. We've got players in our squad that have got a certain type of personality and a character that I think the the club and Klopp and his team uh, proactively seek out for because they want the right type of person as well as the talent. Because you can get people that can derail um the dressing room by having a toxic kind of um attitude and a selfish attitude and whether or not that's happened in the past and Klopp's got rid of it or fixed it when the recruit or when they teach them at a young age I think they positively try and uh explain to them what the kind of person that they're looking for and Bradley's an example of that that goal that he scored when he slipped and he managed to still stay in his feet and still find the bottom corner is amazing. I think the only person that would have been more shocked than anybody else is probably Gomez thinking, bloody hell, this guy's just come in two seconds and he's scoring more than me. But he's just been <laughs> so refreshing, uh, Bradley, that I don't know where it's going to go from here, but it just gives us more options. Now, with the McAllister, I also thought that before he got injured, when those studs went into his knees, he was struggling to fill that number six role. As Abdul said, it's, it's, it's a stopgap measure that we um, we we enforce to try and allow our other midfielders to play the, the game. And we were looking for a, a Fabinho replacement, and that's just never come about. But since he's been back, he's just been brilliant in that position. And he's also now finding the lines and finding his first touch passes and his balls around the corner, uh, flicks. It's, it's creating that half a yard for people to get in the front foot. So we've got a really nice um, balance in our midfield. And we thought that we were, we were going to struggle with Endo gone. So Endo has just found his place and his find rhythm within that team. And we're starting to find, um, we're starting to trust him in that position. So with him being going, it was difficult to think, well, Sobozda's out, McAllister's out, Trent's out. Our midfield looks suddenly very light. And now these players are coming back. We don't have to rush to get uh Salah back yes he's world class and he'll easily slot into the first 11 but we're not heavily reliant upon him as we were once for the players that we used to have so when Gerard or uh Torres or these players were injured it hurt us a lot but it doesn't feel like that at the moment the people that come in whether it's through the academy or, or the squad players as Brian said they all know the system they know what they need to do um it's our biggest victory um against Chelsea um uh, since 2012 so it's it's a good victory for us we've, drew, we've drawn quite a few games and there's another stat I have as well the 28 shots that we had against Chelsea is the joint highest that Chelsea has faced ever in the Premier League and the 13 shots against them on target is the um, the highest um, that they faced yes albeit I agree with you their centre-backs were pretty rubbish I think the best centre-back they had was sitting in the stands John Terry was watching but the rest the ones on the pitch were just average bang average um, <laughs> there was a um there was a uh, shot of Thiago Silva he just looked perplexed he just didn't know what was going on the balls were just flying around everywhere the snapping of the counter press was sharp um, they couldn't get out. It was just disjointed. He just looked as though this is this is going to be a tough night, and it was. Yeah, great answer. Yeah, Tiago Silva. I don't know. He's. Um, I don't know. I, I heard someone on some podcast calling him one of the best defenders ever. 
I don't see it. I don't see it. I mean, he's very, very good. He's a real classy defender, but yeah, I don't know. He's not. He's not. He's not up there. He's not. I don't know. I would say that Conate, by the time he retires, will have a greater legacy. Uh, mark my words. Um, excellent answer, Robin. And I love that stat about yeah, Liverpool's twenty-eight shots, the joint most on record. Uh, that any side has had in a Premier League match against Chelsea. And those records started in 2003-2004. So 20 years, the 20 years as far as Chelsea is concerned, because they didn't exist before that. Um, And 13 shots on target, plus hitting the woodwork four times. They could have lost that match about 10-0. It's absolutely extraordinary. Um, and, you know, this is the Blues team that was in form in the Premier League. They had won four of their last five matches, as I said before. Bournemouth had won six of their previous eight matches and we trounced them. I did make a mistake earlier when we were talking, Abdul, about um, what happened when since Mo's gone. Because I forgot that in the League Cup, of course, we drew one match being away at Fulham. But we've won the rest. And uh, we're looking absolutely unbelievable. Um, at the end of the first half, we uh, won that penalty that Darwin hit against the post. Um, the people in the know, the people I trust, the good pundits like Phil Thompson, uh, said that you know he, he's not worried about that at all. That was actually a really good strike, but it's just so unlucky. You know, it's one of those things. Moving into the second half, um, you know, the the Sterling released Malo Gusto, who I think is a really good right back, who put in a great cross. It came to Mudrick, who shanked it high and wide, 90 million. Um, and uh, then but then we got uh, we got a third goal. Abdul, I want to talk about that one. Um, it was uh, Alisson, McAllister, uh, Gomez and playing these nice little um, passes at the back between them. Uh, with Virgil as well. It came to Virgil. He he, he did this raking long pass to Bradley because, you know, the moments we chose to play long were ideal. Uh, and Bradley was in was in pace. Sorry, he was in space. And he absolutely skinned and plucked Badia's shield, who I think they should call very bad ear shield after last night. Um, and then he put in a pinpoint cross, and it was a banging header by Dom Soboslay, who said after the match, I have to thank Connor Bradley for my goal. I didn't have to do too much because the ball just came to my head. Probably my first header in my life, but hopefully more will come. What a goal, Abdul. What a goal. What were you doing at that point? Were you dancing? I was doing some kind of chicken dance in my house. Yeah, I think... Um... I think at that point, yeah, I was just over the moon again. It's just it just felt like everything Bradley did that night, last night, just turned to gold. So um even that ball was just so perfectly hung in the air. It wasn't like one of those crosses that Trent does, which like whips back onto a player's head. It wasn't like a on the ball skidder. It was just literally just uh hit it into this perfect area. It could have almost just frozen that for somebody to just run on like a training drill just to like nod it and yeah it just went in um and it's funny that Sabozlai said that it was his first header in a long time because he doesn't like um for somebody who's like six foot plus uh one of the uh shocking things before he signed for Liverpool for me was like how bad he is at aerial duels like he sucks in the air 
So uh, for him to win that header and get the goal from it, like, is actually a big thing. It just, it just, it just tells you it's all about the cross, really. Just that tenacity. A lot of, a lot of um, comments on, on, on Twitter last night about Bradley were saying like, oh, he's they've cloned Trent, they've cloned Trent. And then somebody interestingly said, actually, he he plays more like Robbo. And I think that's true about Bradley. He's got this kind of buzz about him, this energy, which you get from Robbo when he's playing. He's he's very like, uh, I don't know, aggressive in his play, in his actions. He's not like um, Virgil is just silky smooth, everything that he does. Matip is also similar, very silky. Joe Gomez as well, I think, is also very like cool and calm and composed in all of his actions. But Bradley and Robertson, they they both have a lot of energy, a lot of fire in all of their actions. And um, yeah, I I could go on about this kid for, for ages. In fact, I think I was in a I was in um I was in one of these discussions with you, Brian, last like the preseason before last preseason, where we we're talking about I remember this vividly. There's a rondo clip and there's players knocking about in a rondo. And I was just like, one of those kids in the Rondo looked really good. And then you, Brian, you were like, oh yeah, I think I think that's the, that's the Irish kid, isn't it? Connor Bradley. And I was like, yeah, it must be. But um, I just remember from that moment, like two summers ago, just being like, you know, we've got some good youngsters on our hand. And here he is two years later and uh, he's actually making a proper impact. So just, just really proud of the boys. Um, I don't know where else. I wanted to say something about... Um, yeah, we now have, uh, we've got Burnley on Saturday and then we've got seven days, a full week of training until our next game. And then we have, a, no, sorry, we've got Arsenal on Sunday and then we have seven days until Burnley the next Saturday. And then we have another seven days until Brentford. So we've got four weeks of training now. And then we, have, we also have full week of training until uh, the EFL Cup final against Chelsea. So we've got one, two, three whole full weeks of training and in that time, we're expecting Thiago to come back. He's just done his first full week of training. Um, Endo will probably be back by that point. Salah will probably be back by the end of that point. Bicetic will be back by the end of that point. Like, everything is just coming together very nicely for this proper, proper running. So, yeah, I'm just really excited, basically. Long may it continue. I really hope that by the time we play Manchester City on the 9th of March that people stay fit on both sides. I really want Man City to stay fit as well. And we can have a proper showdown at Anfield with everybody going at it. It would just be beautiful. Um, yeah, you're absolutely right. I didn't realise that. Yeah, so we're playing Arsenal next. And then uh, it's a six-day break to Burnley at home. And then a seven-day break to Brentford. And then a seven-day, sorry, eight-day break before the final um wow that's great point yeah, yeah yeah very very good point uh but going back to the game um at that point after three nil up uh, we didn't have any other highlights on the official highlights package um there were plenty of there was plenty of brilliant play uh but Klopp made four substitutions on 67 minutes um so connor bradley's stats for his 67 minutes were four key passes uh one shot it was on target it was a beauty into the bottom corner uh one shot and uh two assists and four key passes and 80.7 passing accuracy uh defensively he won three tackles uh which was the equal second best in the team after alexis McAllister's eight and um, he was just absolutely freaking extraordinary. Whoscored.com gave him 9.2 out of 10. 
uh, which is very harsh because that was a 10 if ever I've seen a 10. And I really like the Andy Robertson comparisons, but for me, it's Danny Elvis. It's Danny Elvis all the way. Um, Brian, moving into this, uh, uh, you know, after the subs, um, uh, uh, Chelsea scored. Oh, those rats. Um, Harvey Elliott went, went, run, huh, went wandering. He went exploring. He went uh, chasing down the goalkeeper on his own. Um, I don't know what he was thinking, but he was just got a bit excited. And we've seen that before from Harvey Elliott, unfortunately, not picking his moment. And that left a hole. And Chelsea's sub, who's a great player, Kylie Chukwumaker, um, exploited this space, was able to run 10, 20 yards in a straight line towards our goal, and fed it to Nkunku. And to be fair to him, I think it was a great finish. People people have, uh, you know, criticised Virgil and things like that. But I thought, you know, he did this shimmy and double feints and feinting to pass, feinting to shoot, hit it right into the bottom corner. Um, and then uh, Liverpool hit back. Uh, Nunez hit the post with a header. Elliot had a follow-up shot. Trent could just get his shot in. And then Maca had one that was charged down. Before we scored our fourth goal, that was Ibu again, a long ball for Robertson. Brilliant interplay between Robertson, Gapo, and Jones uh, on the left-hand side. And then it went to Maka, and again, McAllister, instant genius, low-zipped pass through to Dharma Nunez. And his pass, left foot, uh, even though Badia Shield, or very Badia Shield, uh, was very weak. He was weaker than the flow of a baby shrimp's urine. Luis Diaz was there to bundle it home. But that cross, Brian, reminded me of Luis Suarez. It was something Luis Suarez would do because he had one corner of the box to hit and he hit it. And uh, Nigel says, Chelsea are like Werther's originals. They suck. Absolutely. Or they're like the grandpa on the Werther's, to correct you slightly. But Nigel, they, you can talk about either Chelsea's goal or our last goal or, you know, the Suarez comparisons or whatever the hell you want. <laughs> I, no, I was just thinking that uh, it seems that uh, the star of the show now is the team. Like, as, as, as Robin pointed out and some lads pointed out, you know, I, that used to frustrate the hell out of me back in the day where we'd always seem to have two players, if we were lucky, usually just one. And it was like either Gerard or it was Fowler or it was some. We always had some kind of talisman player, and people was like, "Well, if they lose that player, they're done. They're screwed." And the system is just so fine-tuned. And actually, I think it's a, a, quite a lot more complicated than people realize the, the football that we play. Um, and these these players are so well drilled that you put you put. Um, you put them into the system along with all these other players who know exactly what they're doing, know exactly where they're supposed to be, when they're supposed to be there. And it's just, it's a platform to, to get the absolute best out of people, you know? And it's like, it's no accident that uh, yeah, yeah, the, the lads, I mean, they're, they're obviously good enough or they wouldn't be playing for Liverpool, right? Um, but the fact that they can step in, the fact that Gomez can go in and play at left back, you know, and we haven't talked about Robinson, missing Robinson, you know, so people are talking about Connor Bradley, but, you know, uh, everywhere, all across the pitch, there's just amazing things happening. 
even uh, Curtis Jones, I, I've given that guy so much shit over the over the years. I said, oh, you yes, know, if you he wasn't have. a scouser. Yes, I really have. have. I have. I've gone for him. I went for him multiple times. And um, and it just shows, you know, what the fuck I know about football, right? Because, <laughs> <laughs> because he, I, his stats are just off the charts. Like I, I, I seen some um, some podcast recently, and the guy was talking about Curtis Jones, and he was saying he's like, statistically, he's probably the best footballer in Europe right now, in terms of, you know, yeah. well, no, no, okay, true. maybe a little that's bit bombastic, but he, he was no, no, right no, no. He, He's got Chabi Hernandez, prime Chabi Hernandez at Barcelona stats exactly. for so this got, season. He's, he's, I was there as well. I was like, if he wasn't a scouser, he'd be playing in the championship. Little did I know, you know, <laughs> because if you, when you look at actually what he's doing in the team, but I think also now <laughs> people are really starting to accept him as a legitimate first team player. And not only a legitimate first team, people can see what he does, what he brings to the team. Like he looks after the ball. He, he he's, he's a safe pair of hands and, and, and he's got a trick in him and he's, he's got a bit of invention. And, and I just think wherever you look in the team, there's stories like that. Virgil mm. is back to his best. Ibo uh, mm -hmm. is is stepping in there, being a leader. There's not one area of the pitch that uh, that doesn't have a positive story. Even the manager leaving, which is obviously horrendous news for everybody, uh, but it's almost galvanised us on this mission that we're all going. You know, we've all taken the flag. We're all riding uh, Alison Becker's horse and uh <laughs> charging to all these titles you know yes. uh, making a big human yeah. pyramid on alison becker's yeah. horse and it's just this is it's all going to end in dublin it's <laughs> <laughs> yeah. the party to end all parties <laughs> oh man what a party if it, if, it, if it happens if it happens but uh, yeah we need to keep keep playing as a team like this it's a very very good point brian um, and you could tell by, by, for example the the shot count last night i mean darwin nunez had 11 shots and 12 passes which is a stat that cracks me up really 12 passes 100 percent successful passes as well speaking of chabby hernandez um uh, and uh 11 shots which is the second most after luis suarez in a match where luis suarez once got 13 shots in a match so darman with 11 is crazy but speaking of the whole team thing other in the shot count last night luis diaz had three cody gakpo had two uh, Jota had two, Curtis had one, Dom had three, Maka had three, Virgil had one, Connor had one, Connor Bradley, um, and uh, Harvey Elliott had one as well. So all the way across, we're all taking shots. There's danger from everywhere. Um, and yeah, it's a really, really good point uh, how this is a team. And speaking about teams, the next team, I don't know how long you've got, guys. I, I mean, I can go on for another 10 minutes, 15 minutes or so. I want to talk about Arsenal. Feel free to duck out if you need to. But uh, I want to I go forward to, to our next match against Arsenal. Um, I do have some stats here, uh, if I can bring them up on my screen. Um, yeah, this is from Google, these stats. Uh, Arsenal won the... Uh, the exact fixture last season uh, at the Emirates, the Premier League game at the Emirates, uh, beating uh, Liverpool. But sorry, they won it 3-2 last season, the match. And the last time that they beat us in consecutive Premier League campaigns was 13-14 and 14-15. I think that's pretty meaningless because this team is completely different to last season. We got a dodgy penalty in that, as I remember. Oh, really? I don't remember. Yeah, I think time. I remember them getting a fairly dodgy penalty. 
Oh, Stack it going down easy or something. I think I can, I can remember. Doesn't surprise me. And uh, oh, by the way, thanks for these these uh, messages you're putting in the chat, guys. I can't actually read them because uh, it's complicated. But um, uh, but uh, the uh, um, well, there's some, some Curtis things. I'll have a look later, Brian. That's excellent. Um, but no, um, a little quick word for Paul Tierney last night as well. I don't, you know, I'm not gonna. He was absolutely freaking amazing last night uh, for the first time in his career. It's like, you know, uh, sometimes, uh, what is it? You know, uh, uh, there's the cliche about the stopped clock being right twice a day, but there's there's the one where it's not twice a day. It's never happened before. I don't know. Even even a monkey can type Macbeth if you give it an infinite amount of time and a typewriter. Isn't that right? Um, anyway, uh, well done, Paul Tierney. Uh, other stats about Liverpool-Arsenal. Liverpool have scored in each of their last 16 Premier League games against Arsenal. Uh, this will be the 200th league meeting between Arsenal and Liverpool, which is the fifth fixture to have been played as many times in English football history. Uh, Liverpool have won 79 to Arsenal's 66 so far. Uh, the last time Liverpool went to the Emirates Stadium was, of course, last month when we won 2-0 in the FA Cup. Um, and Arsenal have taken five points from their last three Premier League games against Liverpool, winning one and drawing two, which is as many as they had in their previous 12 matches, where they won one, drew two, and lost nine. So they're looking to remain unbeaten in four league games against the Reds for the first time since between December 2014 and January 2016. There's some stats, Nigel, but the reality is they're going to be pecking themselves. Yeah, stats don't say if we play well, we win. <laughs> yes, exactly. Pick the that. ball in the goal more than them. Yeah, exactly. I know. I, I, I don't think. Like, do you think? Do any? Does anybody really think that Ben Mahogany is going to stand up to that onslaught? Ben White, man. I looked at his stats today. One goal and one assist this season. Connor Bradley, two matches. Yeah. Well, I, I don't think he's going to. Be able to I don't think he'd be going to be able to stand up to Nunes and Jota, and not just him. The whole back four. We put that press on them. I don't think they'll handle it. Nigel, the big the big question for the weekend is: Are you going to put Trent in midfield, or are you going to put Trent at right back? What do you reckon? I'm going to put Trent on the bench. Okay, keep him on the bench. I'm going to start. I'm going to start that team again. Okay, interesting. And, and bring, bring him on. Okay, Abdul, you're in violent agreement there. Um, I'm not. I'm honestly not sure. I'm. Okay. I, I, I do not envy Klopp right now because I said last night before the match, like Bradley's played. That, that was his fourth start in 10 days. And I thought that it just made sense to rest him last night. Um, but he didn't. And good good thing he didn't. So now I'm thinking, oh, we should probably rest him for the weekend. But, but again... he took him off on 67 minutes, Abdul. He so did. So it sounds like he's, he's going to start again. So I honestly don't know. And I... You've got to start him again. Robin, you've got, you got to start Connor. Yeah, Connor you've got, you got to start playing for him. Yeah, OK. He's done nothing wrong. If anything, he's... He's made our team even better. So it's hard not to agree with Nigel that you have to start Connor Bradley. What happens to Trent? I don't really know because, like Abdul, I'm a bit stuck. Can he play full-time midfield? Does the system work? What happens to the balance of this midfield that's been so good? Um, do we mess that up? Does he add enough there to be a full-time midfielder? Does he understand that role properly? I don't know maybe six days seven days is enough to train him in that or maybe it's not i don't know the safe bet will be to keep exactly the same as yesterday and see what happens um 
it's not saying that Trent was lose his place, but we just have to perhaps evolve the team to be able to fit around him. And I also wanted to say something about um, uh, the midfield. We've spoken about lots of different players at lots of different times during this season, whether Sobozlai or uh, Diaz or Curtis Jones or uh, even Jota. And this, they've all come um, good at some point of the season. But now it seems like everybody is starting to wind up and hit their peak all at the same time. And that's a frightful thought. And as um, Abdul mentioned as well, people are starting to come back as well to full fitness. So not only are people being available again and hitting their peak, it's a very, very good time to be in here. So, and as Brian mentioned, with Klopp going and is galvanised everybody, sometimes the players or the club, they don't really like to talk about their ambition or the, what they're trying to go for. It's one game at a time. The usual cliches, we see what happens in the, the season. But I feel as though with this Klopp news, there's a few players and individuals that come out to say, actually, we're going to try and win something. We're going to go for everything. It's They've had that... Um, that freedom and those weight the, sh the shackles is lifted off to say don't care we're going to go for it and that's refreshing to see that as well because we want to see as fans that hunger from them rather than the rehearsed uh media speech that they're all well trained yeah, one in. game time and all yeah. that yeah and it's nice to see that because they're saying what we feel like just go mm -hmm. for it if you lose that's fine but as long as you know that you've tried we'll get behind you we'll we'll, we'll stand with you but don't be afraid to to put yourself on the line and just go for it because that's what we want to see and that's really reassuring to say, um, see that. So going back to Arsenal game, I think what um, Conor Bradley did uh, with Martinelli when Martinelli came on and he gave Trent Hassel down that uh, wing and Conor Bradley come along and just snuff that danger out. I think that's yeah. a key element to play. So I think that would be the thinking of their starting there. Yeah, I totally agree. And on the other side as well. Um, you've got uh, Bakayo Saka, who's brilliant, brilliant player. But by playing Joe Gomez, when Saka comes in on his left foot, where he causes most of the danger is when he cuts inside on his left foot. You've got Joe Joe Gomez cutting in on his strong foot, his right foot as yeah. well. So that could that could work for us as well. And I just feel that the way that Klopp spoke about uh, Joe Gomez as well, he was he was careful. Uh, to mention Joe Gomez as well as Connor Bradley after you said that they were both the best players for Klopp. I just think he's going to start him. Um, yeah, Brian, what, just, what do you think? It was, yes, sorry, Abdul. Just wanted to say, like, I think that's a massive consideration for the team, like, going forward for the next period, because we only have one game a week now for the next, like, month and a bit. Um, like, Robertson and Trent and Thiago and Bajetic need game time to get rhythm so is Klopp going to start giving them that and does that mean that he's going to start dropping players who are in form like it's just such a it's it's actually just a really horrific situation actually in in, in a certain way <laughs> Klopp has always said that he likes it though you know like it's always referred to as a as a headache uh, and whenever anybody in the media refers to it as a headache he's always like no 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 this is what I want I want I want to make these decisions which is so I'm sure he'd be very happy about it um, Brian, um, the uh, Arsenal stats I've got in front of me this season, they're top performers, right? Um, they're not very top. I mean, Bukayo Saka has been very, very good. In 21 matches, seven goals, six assists. He's arguably been used badly by Arteta, who is sometimes referred to as the pandemic pep, sometimes referred to as the tapas pulis, which is my favourite one. 
Uh, and uh, I just think that Arsenal, I mean, their next best goal scorers, uh, there are three of them on four goals. There's Martinelli, uh, Odegaard, and Kai Havertz, surprisingly, has four goals this season. I'm not sure how. Um, and But there's something about Arsenal, Brian, emotionally, that's not quite there. Last season, they were eight points clear at one point, and then they lost the league by some margin in the end. They fell away. So that they bought Declan Rice in the summer and they tried to strengthen with Kai Havertz, which is a bit like trying to strengthen by downing a bottle of bleach. Uh, it's it's they, they make bad decisions, but there's something about the mentality that is very weak among the fans and the coach and that trinity between the players, fans and coach that's just it's so fragile it's like a wet piece of toilet tissue uh and i think that'll play into our hands especially if we get the first goal Brian. that's how i feel what do you reckon yeah you know i i agree so it's like in this league you've got Klopp and pep and you've got two amazing teams and who are just absolutely at their peak and it's it's like a a top chess game and there's just there's no room for error <laughs> and if you make any mistakes the other team is just going to exploit it with everything and i think uh last year arteta was just sometimes you you, you catch a break you, you you get a couple of one nils that could have been nil nil and everything just seemed to go their way and it was a good story and i, I firmly believe that football's it's all about narratives it's all stories it's just you season out season in there's new stories being told and the the first the first season is always the easiest i think when you're when you're riding the crest of the wave and the wind's behind your back and uh you know they nearly did it but didn't quite get there but really where they kind of earn their their stripes as a manager as a top manager is um uh the second season that which he's in now and there's just stories starting to come out now you know he, he's making bad moves the whole goalkeeper situation is nuts you know it's uh it only weakens them in my opinion and then there was a fight between the players and i i believe he didn't handle that brilliantly as well you know and then he's over in dubai getting 500 dollars steaks you know and getting salt poured <laughs> on it and, and uh you know we all know that that fan base are just like rabbit dogs all they are they're just one bad result away from like calling for him to be you know <laughs> slayed in, in, in public square uh, i i miss it to be honest with you i i want them to come back I, I just look forward to arsenal losing a few games so i can just jump into their social media and just dine on it for a week you know i, I really do miss it but i uh, i mean but you have to give them credit we can't sleep on them they're they are a good side that he has put a, a, a decent team together there but i I think he's really starting to feel this is where the rubber hits the ground. You know, it's like he spent money. People have people gave he's a, he's a legend that people gave him time, but now people want him to deliver and he needs to deliver this season. He needs to deliver something. Um, and I don't think he will. And I, I think he knows it. And he also knows that he has a very, very changeable fan base there. So all it takes is a couple of, I mean, I joke, but if they string a few, maybe two or three results, bad results together, that fan base will turn on him so quickly. Um, so this game for them is huge, you know. For us, it's huge, obviously, because we're in a title race. But, I mean, whichever way that the score goes, we can handle it, I think. 
Um, but for them, if they lose this game, I, I, I can already hear match of the day and Ian Wright and all of I can I know what the story will be already. It's like, oh, maybe he's punching above his weight. Now they're definitely out of the title race. And just so and on and on and on and on. So um I, it's a it's a it's a massive game. It's 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 the biggest game of the season, I think, you know. So We'll it's huge and i think it will be difficult you know i do i think uh declan rice is a, is extremely good player and and they've got they've got a lot of them but I, i'm just not sure about yeah it's just a mentality thing and also the tactics of arteta have you seen much of them nigel not really um i've seen bits i, I don't watch anything like i used to yeah. the amount of football like it's just okay well let's, oh. let's 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 i'm going to go on a different tack then because Abdul shared in the chat uh, that I can't actually see uh, that uh, there was some kind of status update from Liverpool. Um, was that uh, about? Uh, it's about Pep Linders or, or Linders. I don't know how to pronounce it. So forgive me. I don't speak Dutch. Um, uh, but uh, is is that what is that what it was, Abdul? Is that what you were sharing? Yeah. So um, I don't know. I've missed a lot, but apparently, uh, apparently Pep Linders has done an interview with Liverpool FC, their own media outlet um and i'm just trying to skim through it but oh, okay. um, he explains his reasons for leaving blah 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 but then I, I i just saw this this quote from klopp and it's all glossy there's a graphic to it and klopp basically just says pep is ready to manage and right. uh it for me it feels like because i've been thinking obviously everybody's been thinking who's going to be the next manager but if liverpool win everything this season you know and we get the, it's a historic quadruple. I don't know if it's ever been done, but we get a quadruple. Is there really that much impetus to rip up what we've done and bring in a new manager with a new system, with a new style and get the players to adjust to something new? Or is there a stronger argument for continuity and sticking with what we already have and what is, you know, brimming underneath in Connor Bradley and your Quantas, et cetera? Well, that's... So I, I just think that if if we do win everything, there is a very strong argument for just hiring Pep Linders as the main manager. If he can uh, be persuaded to change his mind, because it looks like his 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 heart uh, may be elsewhere. Maybe he's got some offers elsewhere. But Nigel, that's that's where I want to I want to talk to you about. Then um, is is you know Pep Pep taken over from Jurgen. Uh, you know what would you think in terms of continuity that abdul was yeah. saying that it, it would be a good idea to he's he's, he's deser he deserves a chance given even given his pretty awful track record as a solo manager before joining us as an assistant all down the years this club has been always about continuity when bill shankley took over in 1959 and left in 1974 paisley came after him Joe Fagan after Paisley, Kenny after Joe Fagan, and then Ronnie uh, Roy Evans was the last one of the boot room, uh, and then like and then Kenny came back as well. They tried to be as consistent as possible and uh, a lot of continuity and stuff like that down the years. So you know it's always worked well for Liverpool, I think. And uh, like unless Pep has completely different ideas than Jurgen, I, I can't see where would be the problem with continuity and keeping the players would. I think the players would be better for it. They'd know the system. They'd know the coaches. Uh, there'd just be a different man at the helm is all. But kind of keep going the same way. Yeah, no, I mean, absolutely. Absolutely. Gary Richards is in the chat. Gary Richards says, tally-ho all. Tally-ho, Gary. He says, one is cock-a-hoop. Cock 
for the hammering of those smelly blues. Starwin was very unlucky. Connor Bradley is a star. Trent might not get in the side now. Nice to have you with us, Gary. I totally agree. Dave from Dave's NFC Chats is here. Top win, Reds. Yes, it was indeed. And um, Jack from Anfield Road TV is here. Hi, Jack. He says Arteta should get the speakers out again. <laughs> get some, uh, you know, um, uh, yeah, get, get your never walk alone uh, going. Uh, Robin, you wanted to come in? Yeah, I wanted to um, add on what uh, Abdullah said. So do you know this interview with Pep Linders? Um, there was also a question about his relationship over the last 10 years. And it, it, he mentions about the project was so strong, a big compliment to the whole structure from the sporting directors we had, from the, from the ownership, of course. It's sad that we are leaving, but I'm proud of what we are, that we are part of the history now of this club, uh, club. He's also wanted to say that um, big thanks to them all because they made this club really special, the passion, what they've been through, and I was something I'll truly miss. So <clears throat> I'm not quite sure how much to read between those lines, but it seems as though he's leaving, but he's leaving behind with sadness. And I agree with Abdul Azor because that continuity of um, what you've um, achieved, I think that's far greater than having that risk of who's going to come in, because we all know whoever's going to come in, they're not going to be as good as Klopp. Fact. But the closest person to the way that Klopp plays, his philosophy, his ideas, his tactics, his man management, all of that has to be Pep Linders and the crew. So I don't understand why we wouldn't want that. And from what Nigel said, having that boot room history over the years of passing that knowledge and that ethos on, it seems like it's well made for it to continue. The players respect him. He has a good insight of the academy of the players that's coming through. I'm a bit baffled by that and also baffled by why Martin Edwards will um, would not want to uh, come back as well. Michael Edwards would not want to come back as well. I don't really know what's going on. I don't know if I really want to know what's going on, but something just doesn't feel right. I'm a bit saddened by that. Yeah, it's true. It is true. It's very weird. It, there is something a little bit fishy about it. I, uh, it something, yeah, something a bit odd, um, you know, especially now. Um, but yeah, uh, Brian, who would you go for uh, as it stands? Obviously, as Robin said, it's a step down. But we need to make sure there's not just a step down, you know, that it's just one step down and we don't just, you know, tumble down the entire staircase. It's a tricky one. I mean, I can I can take uh, the point that continu continu uh, continuity. Continuing, that's the one. Yeah, that word uh, <laughs> has a lot of uh, good thing. It makes a lot of sense. But then you could also argue that you just you're just delaying the pain. <laughs> <laughs> you know, because the Klopp, the Klopp era is coming to an end, and uh, we're going to have to accept that and and uh, and live with that. And there's going to be a new era. There'll be a new man at the helm. And you know, if Pep comes in, I, I mean, I wouldn't be against Pep because I think to follow Klopp is the worst job in football, right? Um, and no matter how high good you are, like if if we were to put shabby in there for example it'd almost like be wasting a brilliant manager um unless he's great well i mean he he you know i think when Mourinho says uh you know he's played under the, all the greatest minds in football his dad was a manager he's the smartest player he's ever coached 
and you just look at the guy and he just he just screams manager right and and, and in terms of fit you know people make the comparison between shanks and paisley right you know you had the passion of shanks he was so loud and then the quiet man came in afterwards and shabby uh is very much a kind of um i don't know he ticks a lot of boxes um and he plays yeah, great football he plays a different type of football but it's it's attractive football mm-hmm. um and the fans would get behind him i don't know i mean i'm it's it's a tricky one it's a difficult one um if you were to say to me pick somebody i would go with shabby i put him straight in there and uh let's get on with the new the new story the new the new era um uh, uh, yeah, ended up being pep i'd be happy but the rest of them i don't know you know people are talking about uh the guy down at brighton and oh good lord even- no i looked at their record yesterday he's got three wins in the premier league since the 30th of september three wins yeah, yeah. absolute yeah. i mean flavor of the month but you know that's like a you know that's the you know, marmalade thinking- jam that you haven't opened for six months you open it and there's this sort of weird fluffy cloudy bacterial growth you're, in there you're obsessed with food <laughs> yes, I, somewhat somewhat but uh, uh, no. I, my gut feeling tells me with fsg and you know when fsg hired klopp he was literally the best man for the job in world well, football there was him and ancelotti who was who was unemployed at the same time yeah but klopp but klopp was the was the kind of like the the glove you know every yeah, the fans exactly. i thought oh if we could get klopp that would be amazing we would have and i think a lot of the fans are thinking if we could get shabby that would be amazing it feels so similar i know mm. i know that shabby you know he he, he lacks experience or whatever but mm. he seems to me to be the absolute best option out there in terms of cultural fit in terms of the fans taken to him straight away and also the talk is liverpool real madrid or Bayern are going to snap him up one of those big clubs so it's a kind of a race to see who gets him yeah. next because yeah. the the smart people in the game all say he is the next big thing in football um in managerial um, football so um, yeah no it's a really good point and, and uh, but you know just to to add to like you know just in case anyone anyone was thinking along the lines of zidane like uh gary richards in the chat said he would like alonso or zidane rumors in france speaking of the rumors in the game uh, is that zidane would only manage um a club that he actually played for he want that's what he wants to do or the french national team um and robin's suggesting have both chabby and pep together how dynamic would that be that would be very dynamic that'd be huge but anyway we've got all the we've been uh, going for an hour and a half i do have to leave um and uh, go and make some lunch which is uh, you know that's why i'm talking about food so much because i'm because i'm hungry um but thank you so much to everybody to nigel to robin to brian to abdul to every single one of you who are listening around the world if you want to spread the word about cop on podcast that would be absolutely brilliant please share this episode if you're on youtube we're on the road to 500 subscribers only need two more to get to 300 so if anyone wants to be one of those two then please do and um thank you all for for you know for being with us in fact 299 subscribers someone's just subscribed now thank you very much um whoever that is and um very much appreciated and yeah i don't know guys thank you very much uh for everything i mean you know does anyone have anything uh they want to add right at the end or we're okay shaking a shake of the head uh well thank you very much then um it's been an absolute pleasure uh remember to seize the day as uh, robert herrick said in our in our introduction 
um, in is in much more beautiful words than that. And uh, yeah, we'll speak to you soon on Cop On. Thank you very much. Uh, thank you.